Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Uh, a few more examples of this leading. We all know the story of Philip in the book of Acts chapter 8. So let's uh, start reading. Acts chapter 8, I'm looking at verse 26. Acts 8 from verse 26. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward this house, unto the way that went down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and the eunuch of a great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot to read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept so man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And then the next verse says, Praise the Lord. Yes, I just got to flip up there. So here is the, I just want us to jump very quickly to verse number, go to verse number 33, or 35, let's take verse 35, go straight to 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And verse 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all the heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water. But Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Go to verse 39. And when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Hallelujah. Now, Look at verse 39. But the background to this, first of all, Philip was in Samaria, and there was a great revival that was taking place in Samaria. Great work was taking place. Men were repenting and converting, believing in all the gospel that Philip was preaching. Then, all of a sudden, the Lord is telling Philip to leave that kind of revival and go and join himself to one man. For, for me and for you, that must not be the voice of God. How can you leave a whole city? Men are believing in the world. Miracles are taking place. 
And God said, leave the whole of this revival that is taking place. Go join yourself to one man. One man. That's serious. But the good news about it is, the one man that he was going to join himself to, was to take the good news of the new season to Ethiopia. Because he walks with the queen. Get this right. As at this time, Ethiopia were already Jews. They've already believed in the gospel. When I use the word Jews, they believe in the Judaism because the queen visited, he is the queen of Sheba, that visited Solomon and the heart melted. Remember that? Good. Record how did that they had a child together called Melinet. Who finally took over from the mother when she died. So they were already practicing Judaism there. But now God, this man, every year they come to Jerusalem for the normal worship. Pentecost, uh, whatever it's called. So now, they have not, in other words, the true gospel, which is the new thing that God is doing, have not gone to Ethiopia yet. So God is now taking Philip to come talk to this eunuch who was right in the palace of Candace to introduce the new season into Ethiopia. By implication, he was taken from a city into a nation. But it takes your understanding the spirit. Ordinarily, if you look at it, it was just like, one man, but it was not one man. It was the seat of governance. It was the authority in Ethiopia. And once the queen buys into this religion, the rest of the people are buying into it. You see that? But the sensitivity to get what God wanted him to move is the key thing. Because success will blind us. To the point that we can no longer understand where God wants us to leave certain region for something else. So sex and ministry can overshadow us that we can't even hear God anymore. As long as this thing is working, it's working. It must be God. No. Are you there with me? So verse 29 says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, the holy, This holy man, as it were, to Philip now, have obeyed the first direction he received from God and gone southwards without knowing the reason why. If you read the scripture very well, an angel appeared to him. He started moving. He didn't know why he was going to where he was going. So sometimes when God is leading you, you may not even know where. If he gives you the instruction to go, just keep going. Are you there with me? He was moving southwards without knowing the reason why. It was needed for that. He be informed of this purpose. That's why the Holy Spirit now began to speak. The first, if you look at it very well, an angel, a man like an angel, first spoke to him to leave. When he was leaving, he didn't know why he was leaving. But when he got close to that, the Spirit now told him the reason why he asked him to come. Did you get that? So you can have a direction of movement. You may not even know where you are going. But as you step on the journey, 
the Spirit will make itself plain to you the purpose of your mission. Hallelujah. So here the Spirit now came. That is after. Now you follow the sequence again. If you have not obeyed the first man that appeared to him, the angel, the Spirit would not have spoken. Did you get that? It was because you obeyed the first man that said, leave and go. Then the Spirit came to give him the direction, not just the direction, the purpose why he was asked to come. So if you have not obeyed the first voice, you will not hear the second voice. Praise the Lord. The angel who had given him the first direction had departed, had left him. And the influence of the Holy Spirit now completed the information. So it is like from the witness in his heart. The Spirit was working that began to identify the purpose why God asked him to leave the revival, to come and join himself to this man. Praise the living God. So this is very crucial for us to follow and to understand that if you can't obey the first voice, you are likely not to get the second voice. The first voice will set you out. This first God will define the purpose of your being set out. Praise the Lord. Scripture says Philip was found in Azotus. And passing through, the, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Along the coast, proceeded the north, northward. Now, Philip was found in Azotus. Uh, well, we often teach this. Uh, if our people have used it to teach the rapture as well, teleportation as the case may be. Let me not go there. But you know, according to Lightfoot, the distance between these two places where this thing happened was about 34 miles. So, before he started preaching, he was moving towards the direction. There was nothing he was doing, so there was no record as to what he was doing between until he got to Caesarea. But let's leave that. Let's just agree the Spirit took him over there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen? That Azotus actually is the same city you find in the book of uh, Joshua, chapter 2, verse 42, is Ashdod. The old name was Ashdod. That's what's called Azotus in the New Testament. It was given to Joshua. I mean, Joshua gave it to the tribe of, of, of Judah. You know? So you find that he was taking the message to the tribe of Judah, which was Ashdod. That's why he moved to that direction. Are you getting that? Remember, Ashdod also was one of the strongholds of the Philistines. Right. So now he was taking the message there. After I finished with the eunuch, the direction was to Ashdod, which Joshua had already given to the tribe of Judah. You see that? So, there is a sequence to all the move of God. Are you following what I'm saying here? A, a good sequence to all the move of God. And it's important you understand that. You know, Ashdod actually was uh, it's a seaport town in the Mediterranean Sea between Gaza on the south and Jaffa or Joppa on the north. So, uh, let me come to this place which I think is very important for us. For you sometime to come to the place of beginning to get the leadings of God. You come to a place of personal crisis in your life. When I look at personal crisis, confusion. 
when decision becomes difficult to take. That is part of the way you get into the leadings of God. Personal crisis. Let me illustrate a little bit before I read the crisis of Exodus, I mean, of Moses. You know Moses has a personal crisis in Egypt? Good. Now, when I got into ministry, for instance, and I was about to be thrown out because of the things I was teaching, right in this city, the very night that I was to go, I never knew they've already planned it. And so they want to call all the pastors. We have about six pastors. And now they want to talk to us. The leader want to talk to us that whoever does not teach what he was teaching. But that was just a word used to bring me down. So the word was, whoever does not teach what I'm teaching should think otherwise. And so they begin to ask the pastor the question. Well, I said, hey, didn't you teach general verse here? Didn't you teach general? You know, just like that. And so, but the night before this incident, that was 1994, on the 14th of July, the Lord asked me to read First Thessalonians chapter 2, 3 and 4, but the emphasis was verse 4. And this is what it says. For exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Verse 4 is the key. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, who tried our hearts. So by the time I got there, and then the second scripture was given to me again, which is Proverbs 22, that same night, Proverbs 22, verse number 3, a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple passes on and are punished. I was in a big crisis. Uh, first of all, I didn't know what God was saying. And I was just going in the simplicity of my heart to preach on a particular Friday. The word was given to me on Thursday night. I went to preach on Friday, which was supposed to be my last message, as I can perceive now. And the meeting was called for all the pastors. And by the time the geo introduced what he needed to say, this scripture just came back to my mind. We are not men pleasers, but God pleases. God was saying, what I'm asking you to teach is the truth. Even if you suffer for it, you better suffer for it. Don't stay to please any man. So by the time they asked me, because the message actually taught that brought the whole issue was John 14. Very simple thing that everybody can chew. Right? Now, I'm saying in ministry you come to a place of personal crisis where decision taking becomes a problem. That's when God comes in. Is that okay? And so when I was pushed out in 1994, I had nowhere to go. Then I've left my job. I have children. I have no home in town as at that time. But one deacon is late now. Chiori by name, came to me and said, I believe what you're teaching. 
Ministry can start from anywhere. Go to, I stay in Refinery Road, behind Universal Welding. I have a true bedroom flat. I'm about going back to my village. I paid for one year. Go and stay there and do your ministry anyhow you want to do it. The next question is, what about if the rent expires? <laughs> but I, I went. But I wasn't even staying there because my family was not with me here. So what I was doing, I stayed there. I was teaching uh, the charity and then my beloved uncle there, Uncle Francis. I would teach. I would trek through Refinery Road, go through Soko Estate, get down to Borukogo Secondary School or Primary School. That's where we're having the meeting every Wednesday. I would trek with a bag on my shoulder like a Jehovah's Witness. And I become a mockery to even the fellowship. You think ministry is easy? Carrying bag like a Jehovah's Witness. Is that how it's going to succeed? You must come to a place of crisis in your life before you begin to hear God clearly. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I know what it meant. I know what I went through. And if you think you want to go into ministry and then you are just there. You deceive yourself. Is that okay? Now, but you know what God does? He has a way of, he has a way of, of, of bribing you to come and begin. And just use the word so that maybe, I don't know how to put it now. Enticing. Let me use the word enticing. He has a way of enticing you. Right? Of how sweet. The whole thing is going to be. <laughs> so, you go into it and you begin to see issues. But that is God. Don't get out of court just because of the issues. Let me give you an example. In June 6, 1988, the Lord spoke to me, Revelation 10, verse number 10, what the scripture gave to me. No, verse 11, what the scripture gave to me. That is June 6, 1988. Then I have not started ministry. I was still working. And this is what he said. And he said unto me, no, verse 10, verse 11 was the first thing. The second time he repeated this to me was, take it of, of what, uh, what is that? October 2011. Two times he has given me this word. The first one was 1988, June 6th. Then I've not left me, I've not started ministry. And the second time was 30th of October, 2011. That was the year we came to this place. Now, look at a gap. But the first thing he told me, like I'm saying, verse 10, verse 11 said, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. How do you, I have not started ministry. And God is saying, you're going to teach across the nations to different people. 1988. No, that thing can give you excitement. Amen? <laughs> Are you following what I'm talking about? Then, in 2011, 30th October, he now asked me to read it from verse 10. 10 to 11. Now go to verse 10 and see. He said, and I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, 
my, my belly was what? Bitter. You know what that means? The revelation I'm going to give to you. They are so excited. But you are going to suffer because of the revelation. The little book is the revelation. The bitterness in your belly is the pain you are going to go through for carrying the little book. The first time he spoke to me, he did not give me the little book. The second time he added a little book. This time he knew I can't run away from it. Because then I have lost my job. I can't go back. Are you following what I'm talking about? Following God, my brother and my sisters, is not a joke. It's not a matter of you just get out of your bedroom and say, God, call me and then you do any whatever. No. No. So, when that thing finally happened where I was thrown away, I began to and I experience the bitterness in my belly. Are you getting that? The revelation is sweet. So when I eat the book, it was sweet in my mouth. But as soon as I finished eating the book, it was bitter in my belly. The suffering began because of the revelation. But then, when he knew that I have come to a place of crisis for him to stabilize me, he now said, we are not pleasers of men. So don't accept to stay because of the problem you are not going to see. And not just that. He spoke to a friend of mine. I was with him two days ago at Ugeli. The guy was walking through the street. I was passing to the back of MED there. He saw the cloud open on that rubber plantation that he was passing through under the shade. The whole place just opened. Half light just came in and he had a voice. Go, tell my son. He shall be driven to a wilderness. A sword shall pierce through his soul. But rain shall fall in his desert. That was the day I was asked to leave the ministry. So now I was going back home to tell him, bro, it has happened. <laughs> And before I go there, he just said, what is happening? First of all, I said, nothing. He said, no, something is wrong somewhere. I said, nothing. He said, but look at what just happened. I was just coming through the back of the primary school, under the rubber plantation, hear what I had. I said, well, the truth is, I've been driven away from the ministry. He said, no wonder. Now, the sword that appears through the soul is the sword that you will receive for carrying the message. That's why I discovered that the angel spoke the same thing to Mary. How men will call you blessed. So, but a sword shall appear through your soul. That was the death of Jesus Christ. The soul you lost so much so. Why men are calling you blessed. Shall be crucified. A sword will pierce through your soul. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, God packages all of these revelations for you. So that at any point in time, the good thing is this. When crises are beginning to happen, it gives you a word to sustain you. That's why it is important that you hear God at any point in time. Otherwise, you can get frustrated and leave ministry if you are not following the direction and leading of God. Praise the living God. Are we still here? So, when he says you prophesy to nations, the verse 11. I didn't even know exactly what he was talking about. Until 2005, when I got invitation to go to South Africa for the first time, and my ticket was paid. So, every day, anytime I look at this scripture, 
I know that I see her places to go to. Because he said that far back 1988 and repeated it 2011. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is part of my mandate. And so that is why it is difficult for you to talk me out of it. Even if things are rough, I can come out of it. Because I know what he told me. When things are rough, that's the bitterness. When I read, I see revelation, that is sweetness. But in all of that, I will speak to kings, I will speak to nations, I will speak to tribes. And so shall he be. Are you getting what I'm saying here? It's not cheap to work with God. So, it's good you come to that place. That way, if you have your personal crisis, don't let it blow your head. Don't let you lose cause. Don't let that make you, oh, girl, I'm not going to go to the ministry anymore. Let me go get something else to do. No, 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 no. Stay with him. He will pull you out. He's going to take you in. He told Israel, I'm going to take you out and I'm going to take you in. Remember that? Praise the living God. So look at Exodus 2, verse number 11. Exodus 2, verse number 11. Bible says, and it came to pass in those days, when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren, and looked on their buildings, and inspired on Egyptians, smiting on Egypt, and the Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian, and hid him in the sand. Smart guy. And when he went out on the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong. Wherefore smiled a fellow. And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge of ours? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? <laughs> and Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. I didn't know it was going to happen. That was the beginning of his crisis. Are you getting what I'm talking about? He ran because crisis has begun. In fact, look at the book of Acts. The Bible says, He told the Hebrews, we know that he was their savior. No. Because the kind of training you need to be the savior, you have not had it yet. You are in the palace. You are learning all things. Learning mathematics, geometry, physics, everything in the palace there. You are becoming the next pharaoh. You haven't learned anything to deliver these people. So God had to cause a crisis for him. And the next thing he ran. Is that okay? Verse 15 says, Now when Pharaoh heard that this thing, he thought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Confusion has come now. Can you imagine the Savior starting life with crisis? That's the way it is. Can you imagine Jesus, the Savior, starting life with crisis? When Herod wanted to kill him. And he had to be taken to a village. He had to be taken to a place where there is no inn. Not all the hotels were booked. And then you have to manage with animals. Can you, can you picture that? That is the beginning of every true savior. Are you there with me? Crisis. That is when God begins to talk. That is when God begins to live. Now he came to this place and sat down. How many of you remember the crisis of Elijah? After he has killed all the prophet of Baal. He got into a place of crisis. I'm not better than everybody else. All the prophets, I'm the only one left alone. God said, you're lying. I've reserved other ones that have not bowed their knees to bow. But he was in a place of crisis. Are you there with me? And so, when you come to the place of crisis, that's when God begins to do some miracles unknown to you. He placed him down there. 
I mean, Elijah was sitting down there, ravens were feeding him. Guess what? He sat by riverside, the river got dried up. But before the river got dried up, he told him, you go to where? To meet the widow of Zarephath. He said, I have commanded the widow of Zarephath to feed thee. Don't look on this dry river anymore. Your hope is not in this river, it's in something else. When you come to the place of crisis in ministry, that's where God begins to show you your widow of Zarephath. Are you following what I'm talking about here? So now Moses ran, hid himself, you know, by a well, sat down. They are always looking for water. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And now, there's something I want you to understand. Who is medium? You see, because you find that at the end of the day, the Bible made us understand, okay, go to Exodus chapter, chapter 3, so that we begin from there. Exodus 3 verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Media, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Watch this. Moses kept what? The flock of Jethro, his father. And who was his father? The priest of Media. This was not an idolatrous priest. This was not a strange priest. This priest was a priest of God. Median was the child of Abraham through Keturah. Keturah was a concubine wife to Abraham. So Median was one of the sons of Keturah. And so they knew the worship of Yahweh. So he was a priest of Median, meaning in this tribe of media, he was your priest there. God will not send you to a harvest to be trained for him. Do you understand this? So it was not by accident that Moses had to be located in the house of Jethro. Because he was a child of Abraham who knew, or the grandchild of Abraham, who understood. You know, if you take time to read the Bible, you find out the first altar that was erected in the wilderness was erected for Moses by Jethro. Because he knew what worship was. Are you following this? But again, you look at this, you find that Jethro became like a mentor unto who? Unto Moses. At the beginning of the journey, in the time of your crisis, God will send you someone or send you to someone that will mentor and assist you. Just like Paul was sent to Ananias. Jethro was, I mean, Moses was sent to Jethro. Are you following the principle? To be trained. Now, note this, I've already said it before. He was keeping the flock of Jethro, not his flock. And like I told us before, no shepherd in Israel had sheep to himself. All the sheep they are keeping belong to somebody else. So Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro. David was keeping the, the flock of Jesse. Did you see that? And you are keeping the flock of God. You don't own no sheep. The church is not your own. The people are not your own. You are a shepherd. 
but a shepherd unto God. So you mind how you talk to the sheep of God. Mind how you fleece the sheep of God. Because they are not your sheep. Your faithfulness in keeping the sheep is what determines your reward. Let me show you something. Luke chapter 16 verse 10. Luke 16 verse 10. This is a little bit about money, but he said, He that is faithful in that which is least, is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in least, is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in a righteous moment, who will commit to your trust the true riches? But verse 12, If you have not been faithful in that which is another man, who shall give you that which is your own? By implication... Your faithfulness in taking care of the sheep of God will determine the reward He gives to you. So Moses was faithful in keeping the sheep of Jethro. And that was his training ground to begin to keep the sheep of God, which is Israel, when he brought them out of Egypt. You get the principle? Now verse 2 of Exodus 3 Bible says, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Crisis is still on there. Confusion. How can fire be burning in a tree, and the tree is not consumed? What kind of fire is this? I would like to see. Are you still there with me? Praise the Lord. Verse 3 said, And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the great sight where the bush is not burnt. And the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. So what happened? He used the fire to get his attention. Is that okay? He turned to see. The truth said, it was God himself he was now looking at. He told to direction where he cannot begin to hear God. So at a time of crisis, God will bring certain things that will cause your attention to get refocused on God so that you can hear Him audibly and clearly for the next step that you're going to take. Hallelujah. And He said, Draw nigh hither, put up thy shield for the of thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, but was afraid to look upon God. So it was God himself, but he had to get his attention so that he can listen to him. And guess what? It was a lonely place where there's going to be no distraction. For you to get the next direction of the face of your ministry, you must go to a lonely place sometime all by yourself. No distraction. Are you there with me? And he began to introduce himself to Moses. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Anytime you think this way, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you are thinking of the covenant God has made with these people. You are thinking of how he has blessed them. If God ever revealed himself to you in this dimension, be rest assured, you will be successful in your life. Hallelujah. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said, I shall have seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry, by reason of their tax makers, for I know their sorrows. This is why God calls people to ministry. 
He sees the people. He sees the nation. He sees the people in the nation. He sees them as their own. And he wants something done. That's why he called you out. So that he can provide solution to those who are afflicted and are in sorrow. I was reading yesterday, somebody sent me something. I don't know how far that's true. In China, because of coronavirus, what do you call it? Coronavirus, right? Good. About 20,000 people. And that they went to court to get permit to kill them so that the virus will not spread. Is that the wonderful news? That's the kind of world we're living in. Now, there are a lot of people who are suffering from coronavirus in the world today. And I don't mean the one in, in China. Now, God is in the affliction of these people and He has picked you to go provide solution. This is not the first time the people were in, were in, were in Egypt. This is not just the moment they were in Egypt. They've been here for about 400 years. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Right from when Joseph was there. That's when he entered into the land. Until Joseph died. And the Bible said, The next Pharaoh that rose up, who knew not Joseph, began to terrorize his people. So sometimes where the body of Christ suffered affliction, because the Joseph of that season had gone. Are you sitting there with me? Once you meet your Joseph, I father will arise that will torment you. There's always a Joseph and there's always a Reuben. But Joseph said, until I see Reuben, I'm not giving you bread. Go bring Reuben, then I'll say bread for your house. There are some people that are bread carriers. You need to locate them even in your ministry. Don't miss your Joseph. Don't miss your Reuben. <laughs> your Joseph will take you to a place of a city of a good rest. The day you miss your Reuben, Pharaoh will arise when you know Joseph and begin to torment you. And when you miss your Reuben, you can't find bread. Because when the bread didn't get to Egypt and say, you sell bread for us. They say, no, where is Reuben? Your last one. He says, it's Reuben. So where is he? Are you going to be here? Go and bring Reuben. Where Reuben comes, I'll sell bread. So there are bread carriers. <laughs> are you still here with me? The call is for the sake of his people. I want you to know that. God sees the affliction of the nations, affliction of the people. The reason we go into ministry primarily is not for the sake of money. We go there because of the suffering of the people. God has seen their suffering. That's why He's calling you. And that's why you must be in a place where you can hear Him. Praise the living God. If I have money to buy a jet, I will buy. But that's not the reason why God called me. Are you listening to what I'm saying? He said, first seek ye first world, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All of these things shall be added unto you. The primary reason why God ever calls anybody is because of people. Can you remember what he told Paul? Then Saul, I'm taking you out that I'm going to send you back to the Jews and the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. Verse 8. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them out of that land unto a good land and a land... Light and unto a land flowing with milk and honey, 
And so the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Jebutites. Now you watch that. I have come down. I is going to come down. God comes down through a people. So when he sent you, is God going there? I have come down. And anytime he comes down, he picks an individual. And gives him a commission. Praise the living God. That is why, you see, when Jesus was doing ministry, anytime you look at the people, he said, he was moved with compassion. You notice that? Anytime he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. That is God. Until you have compassion in your spirit for the people you are ministering to, you are not identifying with the call of God in your life. The primary reason why God called every one of us here is for the sake of his people. What is the condition of your people? Praise the living God. Verse 9. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians are present. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's the goal of ministry. Remember what the commission he gave to Paul? Open their eyes that they might see, turn from their wickedness. Remember that? Very good. That's the primary purpose of calling us into ministry. Amen? And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? These are other very good things you need to observe for a genuine call. Most time, you don't want to go. Most time, you don't want to go. That's why he told Paul, you can't kick against the pricks. And Paul will say, I've not yet apprehended for that which, for which I what I'm apprehended. When you say apprehend means arrested. Philippians 3. But I pressed towards the mark. Remember that? Praise the living God. So Moses here said, Who am I to go? You read Gideon, who am I to go? Every true, genuine person called by God does not see himself capable of doing the ministry. They don't see themselves capable of doing the ministry. Every one of them. Read your Bible very well. Every genuine man of God. They don't see themselves capable of doing ministry. That is where you don't depend on your strength. You are not going to depend on him. When you see yourself to be capable, God will step out. Then you go by your own strength. Moses will say, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. Can you see that? Praise the living God. Verse 12. Now, remember, even God was speaking to Saul. Say, when you were small in your own eyes, did that not make you a king? Can you get that? Your estimation of yourself. Think about it. When you were small in your own eyes, did that not make you a king? And Moses said, I can't go where am I to go? Gideon said, where am I? Even Manasseh is the least of the tribe in Israel. How do I qualify to go? Because God is only looking for the foolish thing to confound the wise. Is that okay? It will not take a man with reputation to build himself. It will take the fisherman and make you a fisherman to make you features of men. That is the process. You, you can't, no. Don't come to God 
with what you claim to have abilities, you will die before you start the ministry. Every genuine call, the people have never accepted to go. Is that okay? They didn't see themselves capable of doing ministry. But that is where God begins to speak. That's where God begins to go in the strength of this might. Praise the Lord. Verse 12, and he says, Certainly, I will be with thee. Look at that. And this shall be a token unto thee that I will send thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. He was in Mount Horeb when this thing happened. He said, by the time you bring back the people, you are going to worship me here. That's why I gave the laws right over there. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? <laughs> and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus said, I say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And I used to say this. If I ask you now, what is your name? You're going to say John. But in simple English structure, you are wrong. What is your name? I am John. I am Agnes. I am James. So what do you think you are saying? You are first identifying with your source before you identify with your natural man. You are saying, I came from God. So everybody is I am I am. Because we are made in the image and likeness of God. God is I am. And we are from the I am. So what is your name? I am. Meaning, I am a son of God. For I came from him. Are you following what I am talking about? You must come to have that identification in your life. To know that you are not of yourself. You came from him and he sent you out for a purpose. Praise the living God. Verse 15 says, And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up, I mean, out of affliction of Egypt, unto the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and Perizzites, and Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and shall say unto them, The Lord God of your Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go. We beseech thee three days, journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice unto our Lord our God. Amen? Alright. Well, you know the rest of the story. All the intrigues, the played out, with the Egyptian magicians and everything else. You know the rest of the story. But what am I trying to make you understand? For Moses to go into ministry, he started with a crisis in his life. Is that okay? A major crisis definitely comes to you. It is in the midst of those crises that you discover the call of God. When you are most confused, 
That's when God is closest to you. Is that okay? You only need to be silent. You only need to pay close attention. Just be focused. But I'm trying to encourage you today. That when crisis comes to your life, that is not to say God has abandoned you. That is when God comes closer to you. To give you the next direction. So what's the next thing you are supposed to do? Pay close attention to hear what X is going to talk to you about. That will lead you to the fulfillment of your destiny. But don't forget this point. The ultimate reason why God called people is because of the people that are suffering. The ultimate reason why God called us to ministry is to set people free. Is to deliver them. Is to open their eyes and set them free from the deception of the enemy. That's the primary goal. Hallelujah. Are we together? I want to say thank you for being with us. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.